Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come together. And uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that this word that you've laid on my heart about newness of life and who we are in you would just resonate, Lord. We'll set a buzz on inside of us off. Let's lay aside any distractions and we focus upon you and your word right now. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Church is fun, isn't it? God's fun. Tell you what. He's good all the time. Thank you, Sarah. I'm going to read out of Romans 6 from verse 3, and I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but you can... I'm going to see if you can follow me. You ready? Good. Hold on to your hats, ladies. All right. Verse 3, it says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That's what I want to speak about in this next hour, as a newness of life in him, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also can walk in newness of life. And I thought that was pretty cool, Karen, just flowing with me. Very good, ladies, thank you. It says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Woohoo! If you're united with him in his death, and when you go through the waters of baptism, you're united and your old life is buried and your new life, as he was resurrected, we are resurrected. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. That's something to get excited about. Now we are free from sin. And if we are united with Christ, we shall also live with him. And you can't tell me Jesus is under things. You can't tell me that he is beaten up by stuff. You can't tell me that he is not a conqueror. You know, when he rose, when he was put on the cross, I love this. When he was put on the cross, what are you laughing about, mum? When he was put on the cross and he died for our sin, he died for our poverty, he died for our pain, he died for every stinking disease that the enemy could think up. When he died for it and bore it for us, the curse was broken. Galatians 3 says that he who hangs on a cross, he bears the curse for us. And so we are set free from the law of sin and death. We are set free. Look at the person next to you and say, you're set free. Come on now. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law. You're not under the law of sin and death anymore. You're under grace. Supernatural ability. Grace is just not unmerited favor. We all know that when, oh, Lord, your grace, I don't deserve it. We all know that bit about grace. You know, grace is supernatural ability. You're super dupers. You should have big supers written on the front of you. Yeah? Yeah? For you are not under law but under grace. Anything to do with death, the law of sin and death has no power or dominion over us. For we have been raised to life and we can walk in newness of life with Jesus. Nothing to do with what that stinking devil thought up. When the sin came into the world and he deceived Adam and Eve and he brought in sin and death, 
None of that because of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary has any dominion or authority over us unless we let it. Unless you believe and allow the devil to steal from you what power and authority you have been given. And I tell you what, if you listen to the lies of the devil, he'll steal all your goodies. Because Jesus says that he has prepared a banqueting table for you. Now, if you had a big banquet table and it was all laid out for you and you had this Christmas tree next to it with this lovely bunch of prezzies, who's a gift person? Is that all? Now, are you going to let the slimy, stinky, hairy, smelly devil and his cohorts come in and sit down and make a big piggy mess of your banqueting table that Jesus has set out for you? Are you going to let him come and steal all your Chrissy prezzies under the tree? What are you going to do? You'd say, excuse me, get out. And you'd call big Jesus cop. Wouldn't you? then why do we let him do that? Nothing to do with the law of sin and death. No power or dominion from the stinky devil has any dominion over us because Jesus bore the curse for us and he has set us free from the law of sin and death. So nothing, nothing in your earthly mortal body, nothing that the world may try to throw at you, nothing that somebody has said for you has any power and dominion over you unless you allow it, unless you allow what Jesus has done on the cross for you have no effect in your everyday life. Now, you would look at yourself and say, well, that's pretty silly, but I tell you what, we do it all the time, don't we? Nothing of the, uh, should have any power or dominion over us because your faith, 1 John 5, 4 says, overcomes the world because I am born of God. My faith overcomes the world. The enemy will come. Jesus says you'll have trials and tribulations. I'm not, you know, preaching, a, oh, everything's just daisies and things. Jesus himself said you will have trials and tribulations, but I have overcome the world. And so when we seek, grab hold of all that Jesus grabbed hold of us for and we take it and we plant it in our lives and we let it spring up and when the enemy tries to steal it, you say, you back off, stinking devil. That's where you can get feisty. You get that word and you hit it. You stick it to him, yeah? I teach my kids when they get a snotty nose and I, and I can see a night. You know, people say, oh, I'm going to have a cold for 10 days. Why? What the heck did you say that for? And I, so I said, now, if you could see that cold as this big blobby green goober snot. <laughs> I told you I was visual. Just picture it for a minute. And it's sitting... <laughs> Mum's, you know... <laughs> And, and it's, it's kind of moving, <laughs> flobbling, it's green. Now, I want you to get this because this is what we do. It's blobbling and it's moving and it's creeping and it's creeping and it's got this... And it's coming and it tries to get on you. Now, if you saw that, what would you do? You'd flick it off. You'd say, you have night right to get on me, get off. And you'd wash it off, wouldn't you? Well, that's how the enemy works. He has his green, slimy, globulary things and he tries to get on us and we've got to flick him off with the power of God's word. You say, I'm under the blessing. I'm not under the, and I reject every part of the curse. You read Deuteronomy 28. Write it down, Deuteronomy 28, and you go through the curses of the law. 
the curses of the law, and we are not under that. We are part of the blessing. We're the head and not the tail, above and not belief. We are a winner, not a loser, a success and not a failure. We're healed by the stripes of Jesus, and we prosper wherever we go today. So when you walk, I, I do this. I, I walk in the door and I walk out, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, and I'm double blessed, you know. <laughs> Try it, it's fun. <laughs> yeah? Take God's word and put it in your life because it's Jesus. One, you know, John 1 says that Jesus is the word and the word was in the beginning and the word is in him and Jesus is the word. That's paraphrased version. Yeah? Jesus is the word. So when you're taking in the word, you're taking in Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Because our faith is meant to overcome the world and if you took hold of it and believe what Jesus said about you, then it would. So next time you see the stinky devil coming, blah, 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 say, get her behind me. Get behind me. You get off me. Draw a line in the sand because our faith overcomes the world. We have been set free and we have entered into newness of life in him. But we would walk in newness of life. Under grace is to be justified and to live by the indwelling resurrection power of Christ. We have been saved by grace, not just to make do, not just to exist, but to have newness of life springing up and springing up every day because we leak. I'm not going to go there. We le- <laughs> I can say that to you guys. But, you know, and... Pelvic floor exercise is a very good thing, by the way, ladies. It's true. I've had six children. That's how I can jump. Yeah? And <laughs> My husband's going to love that when he hears that. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> you know, God's pretty real. He knows. You know, he knows. Where am I up to? <laughs> we are, so we do, we, and we have to have newness of life coming into our heart all the time. We have to have newness of life coming into our spirit because we do leak. As we give out in our life, as we give out to those around us, we need to be refreshed by the newness of life that is in Jesus. And if you don't allow that refreshing, and you're going to get all dry and crusty and musty, like that PowerPoint that I showed you last night, where it was just like dry. And there's seeds of goodness under there, the seeds of life, because you have the DNA of God in you, and it's sitting there, but it's all dry because you're not letting springs of living water water that and with newness of life. God desires us to live in that place of newness. He says, we have been given all that we need to live through the resurrection of Jesus. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we've got to choose to live in that. We actually have to choose every day, not just on Sundays, yes, Lord, but every day, Monday morning, your feet hit the floor. I live in newness of life. Resurrection power abides on the inside of me. It's our choice. Or, you know, because when Jesus died and you first receive him into your heart, it's great, isn't it? Ah. You know, it's all exciting and everything's new. But as you go along on your Christian journey, you kind of hit some walls every now and then. It's like, ah. And it's like you can allow the stuff of the world to come in. Now, I'm going to give you a very graphic illustration. So 
Are you ready? It's like back in the dark ages, <laughs> back in the dark ages when somebody was a criminal, one of the punishments, and it was pretty disgusting really that they would do this, but this is a graphic illustration to remind you to keep your old life off. Don't take it back up again. Is that they would put, um, they would put a dead body on the back and they would chain it to them, to this criminal. And they would have to carry that dead body around with them and it would actually decay on their back. And they, all the disease and, dis, you know, decaying body on a healthy body eventually is not going to be good for the healthy body, is it? And they would die from it because it would take all the life that they had in them as a healthy person would just be overridden by this corpse. Now, translate that into your spiritual life. Mm. Why do we do that? Ephesians 4.22 says, In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which has been corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We get a new, brand new life in him. But too often, you know, we put it off, and then we pick it up again, that old stinky life. And we carry around that dead corpse of our old life and we wonder why we're not victorious. And we wonder why the word doesn't have any effect in our life. And we wonder why when we pray and we feel like we're not getting through because we're carrying around this dead corpse of our old life which is supposed to be dead and buried and done away with. Jesus said it is finished. But we go back and pick it up again and we allow unforgiveness back in, we allow gossip back in, we allow um, you know, malice and slander and abusive speech to come out of a mice, we lie to one another and, we, do, and we, you know, we get in and we think, well, you know, it's just a little bit, it's just a little sin, you know, I'm just in sharing about that person. No, you're not, it's gossip. Well, they did that to me, so I have every right to be upset with him. No, that's unforgiveness. Lord, I'm having trouble, I'm just really worried about that. No, that's just not trusting. That's our old life. And Jesus said that he has given us new life. But you wouldn't go around with a dead corpse on your back, would you? What do you think would happen? It'd kill you. And then it kills off that new life that Jesus has given us. And that's why we have showers of blessing, showers of rain, showers of just spending time in his presence because he knows that we pick it up and he's constantly saying, just lay aside the things of the world. Lay aside the sins that so easily entangle us and run the race because otherwise you're walking around with a dead corpse. It's a bit like stinky potatoes in your cupboard. You have this lovely bag of potatoes, don't you? And then one starts to go manky. And what happens to the rest of the potatoes if you leave the stinky? And you can smell it, can't you? Mm. And it just kind of ruins the whole bag and you have to, and it's smushy and sloshy and then it spreads everywhere. It's great, isn't it, visual illustration? You're getting that? (laughs) But that's what it's like and we chuck the whole thing out. But you know what? God doesn't chuck us out. He just says, just get rid of that stuff. Don't pick up the things of your old life. The lust and deceitfulness and unforgiveness and worry and stress and anxiety and all the things that he set us free from. He wants us to grab hold of newness of life in him. 
New life in Jesus means we embrace the new things of God in his way of doing things. We start, we actually have to make a choice to start to think how God thinks, which is not how we think. And don't think it is. We, when we have to actually learn to think like God thinks because we do not think. It says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways says the Lord. So Romans 12 says a couple of things. So I'm going to talk for a minute about how we embrace the new things of God and start to do things his way. Firstly, we get a new mind. Then we get a new heart. Then we get a new spirit. So I'm going to run through these things because this is kick butt word. God gave us a word so that we could kick the devil's butt. He gave us a word so that it would instruct us how to live. And if you try to do life without it, you're going to hit a roadblock. So I'm going to give you some kick butt, devil, overcoming, victorious, awesome Christian word. Are you ready? Okay, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We need to bring things in our life into line with what God says about us and what he says are true. We need to bring our life into line with what God says about us. And that means that we actually have to renew the way we think about us. You cannot be victorious. You cannot walk every day in newness of life in him if you do not start to change your mindset about you. Because you have been given new life. It means you need to start thinking you're new. You're new. You need to bring your life and your thinking into line. So it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. And you renew it by God's word. You renew it by spending time in his presence and knowing that he is good. You renew it by hanging out with good people. If you struggle with worry or depression or anxiety, we actually need to tell our mind and our body and emotions and our spirit what to do. Now, you might find it hard to believe, but I can be a little worry wart. Round and round and round in circles, thinking, thinking, thinking. Yeah, and I actually have to make a conscious decision to say, that's enough. That's enough. And if I'm really struggling in an area, like I'm worrying. Now, I shared last night how we learned that God is not a two-minute noodle God. He's a roast dinner God. Yeah, that he will give you more than enough. But I come from a background where my father went bankrupt twice. I come from a background where sometimes we didn't know where the next meal was coming. Yeah? And so I had to learn to trust God in this area. And the devil, he had a field day. And when he called us into ministry, it's like, oh my goodness. Ah. And so I had to learn, and I learned by God's word. And I fought the good fight of faith with his word. And I would write down the promise, and I would say, Lord, 
What does it say in your word? And he would lead me to all the promises about how he would provide for me, that he is my shepherd and I will have no lack. That, you know, if I'm a giver, then he will pour out everything I need, give you all sufficiency. And so I would write down, every time the enemy would come and, oh, you're not going to have enough, oh, blah, 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 but, you know, the things he does. I would grab my Bible and I would write on a little card the scripture and then I would walk around it within my pocket and every time that thought would come, that worry thought, that anxious thought, that not a peace thought, I would grab it and i say, no, God says that he is my shepherd and I shall not lack. And I just stand on that word and I reject that thought, I take it captive and I take it to the cross of Jesus and I reject it. I'm under the blessing and I stand on this word and, and I'd get it and then the enemy would come and go, oh, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I would just hit him. And I have a stack of cards because I had, to, I had to fight. I had to discipline myself and transform my way of thinking of lack and not enough and fear and all those things from my upbringing. I had to change so that my thinking was transformed into thinking like God thinks because your thoughts are not his thoughts. Yeah? And it takes discipline to do that. Now, that's not a striving thing. That's just choosing to do what is good. That's being smarter. It's not trying harder. It's just learning from experience. That way doesn't work. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm worried all the time. So that didn't work. So let's do something different. That's just being smart. Yeah, we've got to be smarter. And so we've got to speak God's word. Now, if I start to have an anxious thought now, I say, look, I speak peace to my mind in the name of Jesus. I speak peace. And I actually have this technique, and I was sharing it with somebody last night, that I have these thoughts because my brain goes in about 600 directions at once. Yeah? And so I have to lie there and go, right, what are those thoughts? Are they stinking, thinking thoughts or are they God thoughts? And I actually have this net in my imagination. And I grab hold and I pick up the net and I pull down those thoughts and I have a look at them. Now, does that line up with what God says about my life or is that a fair thought? Is that an anxious thought? And I examine what I'm thinking about and it brings me into line with what God says. See, that's smarter. Otherwise, you're just going to lie there and not sleep. You're going to be grumpy pants, annoy everybody and not be the blessing that a wife is supposed to be to her husband or her children or a blessing that a woman is supposed to be to her workplace yeah, or her church. So you're going to walk in tomorrow <laughs> because you've had a good night's sleep. Call for what you're believing for. Romans 4.17 says, I have made you a father of many nations. He's talking about Abraham. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That's actually from the New Living Translation, but I like that. Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates New things out of nothing. New things out of nothing. He actually creates it. So saying, is a, saying what you're believing for, saying what you have a need in an area is a way you plant a seed for your need. Yeah? So you start to call for what you believe for. First Peter 1.23 says, that having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever in us. That seed that we've been born again in is a seed that produced new life in us, and it's Jesus. So what seeds are you sowing in your life? What seeds have you got planted there? So some of them need to be pulled out because they're weeds. 
they're actually weeds in our life and we need seed. Yeah? We need good seed of, of Jesus. The seed that produces new life. The power of God's word is a power to bring spiritual life to all who open its truth. So plant the seed of God's word in your heart and let it spring up. And watch out for the weeds. If you catch a weed and go, oh, that's a weed, that's not from God, take it captive and give it to Jesus and say, I just cast that burden on you. All right, watch out for the weeds because they're going to ruin all the lovely things that God wants to do. They crowd out. Plant the seed of God's word. Against worry and anxiety, tell our minds and emotions to be at peace, to be quiet. We need to set our minds on the priorities of God and not of man. What are your priorities? Are your priorities, what you think about, you know, what your mind is busy with, are those the things of God or are they the things of man? Because if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he says all those other things will be added to you. He knows that you'd like a nice house. He knows that it might be nice to have a new lounge. He knows that you'd like your kids to go to a new school. Or, you know, he knows you'd like that pair of boots you saw walking past the window. You know, I was thinking about this and how God is, he's just so good. You know, and, and if we don't ever transform our thinking and take a, take a grab hold of him. We're never going to learn this. I was saving up for um, a leather lounge, a white leather lounge, because I'd always wanted this white room. With six kids, crazy, but anyway. <laughs> I could hear you laughing down there. <laughs> anyway, you can dream and God brings it about. Anyway, so I was saving and saving, and you get your tax check, and I have a little bit away. And, uh, but at the same time, we were setting up a cafe in the church that we were leading, and it was going to cost um, thousands of dollars. And we were like, just asking people to give towards it, and we'd been working really hard. We'd been doing crazy things to get money together, like just selling stuff and going and getting secondhand stuff and having stalls and all this sort of thing. Because, you know, you can't just sit back and do nothing as well. We've got to be wise with, you know, God asks us to do stuff. You do your bit and he'll do his. And so I had this money set aside and the Lord says, I want you to start off the giving. You're, you need to lead in this. And I had $3,000 saved. And I was like, oh, okay. And I said to Philip, okay, the lounge money, I'll, I'll give that. Because we wanted to reach out and we wanted to set up a gallery and we did all this stuff in our church. And we needed to set up the cafe to make it a place for people to come. So we set off and we, and we gave and we spent, gave that $3,000, which was my lovely white lounge money. And we did set up the gallery and it was a blessing and, you know, God uses everything you learn along the way and everything you do to, to just along the journey and you, you go, you know what, this up here isn't so hard because I did that back there. So when I look at starting a school, you think, oh, you're crazy. But I actually, God's taken me through things and so I'm like, it's still a faith step. I still get butterflies thinking, oh, Lord. But it's like David. It's like I fought the bear and I fought the lion and I was victorious. I'm like, I've done this and I know God provides and I can do this thing. And so anyway, a few years ago, I, you know, you just give and, and you know that when you give, God gives back to you. And I just trusted the Lord. And we moved into a house and I painted this lovely hog bristle half colour. It's cream if anybody wants to know. <laughs> and... Uh, and we had a lovely lamp anyway. And then these people um, were moving and they, 
they had a really spicko house. And, and I was like, oh, they're really cool. And, and they, you know what she did? She gave me her new white leather lounge. <laughs> See, God remembers because God is good. He remembers. And so I sit on my leather lounge and it's, you know what? It's my space. They go, that's mum's lounge. And it's clean most of the time when they're not doing music or youth things in there, but they're all very good and they know that it's mum and Dale's lounge. And, and, but it's, it's just a constant reminder that when we give and when we trust and when we sow a seed, that God remembers that seed. And if we plant it and we just have a good attitude, it springs up and brings fruit. And we don't have to try. We don't have to be like that trying orange tree that's constipated. We can just flow. And the blessing in time and the season, when, you know, because when you plant a seed, as Sharon found out, it doesn't just spring up. It, it just doesn't spring up straight away. It's a seed and then God waters it and it springs up. And I know God's planting seeds right now. Let them spring up, but let them do it at his time and be patient. And some things are going to spring up really fast and others are going to take time. Don't, don't, you know, stomp on the seed. Just water it and trust God and have a good attitude. So set our mind on the priorities of, priorities of God. That's what I learned. And seek first his kingdom and all those other things will be added to you. The next thing when we want to embrace a new life in God, so that's a new mind and we're transformed by God's word, is a, a new heart. And Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know, that word create is the same word used in Genesis for the creation of the world. So when you say, Lord, create in me a clean heart, you're actually asking God to create a new thing in you, a new heart. Take out the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. And sometimes when we've got so much stuff in our heart, you can say, Lord, just create in me a new heart. And he will do that because he is the creator. And that's what David did. He messed up. His past wasn't great. And he said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I repent before you. Create in me a new heart. And repent. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I learned that in this church, that I was a new creation. Because I didn't like myself very much. I didn't think I was worth very much. And I didn't think God really had great things for me to do. And I actually married Philip and he's just awesome and he's anointed and he's just pretty much good at anything he does which is really annoying sometimes <laughs> and um, he just had such a call on him and so I would just quite happily pat along behind him and I was quite happy doing that remember I was a little brethren girl he wasn't allowed to talk in church and so I would I would just, and God just said no you're a new creation if you're, anyone is in me, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. So I started to just hook into God. And one day I was in this church when it was around the other way. And I had a guest preacher. And I was sitting down the back as I usually just, you know, hanging out, just enjoying it. And um, the preacher called me up the front. He's from India or something. And he was very loud. And um, I said, oh, here we go. But I was, you know, I'm up for it. I'm up for it because it's good to be up for it. You know, I've learned to just say, yes, Lord. If you have an attitude of saying yes, then he will do abundantly more than you can ask or think or dare or dream to imagine. 
So I, I went, all right. So I'm standing there and he's praying for me. And some of you might have heard me say this before. I'm standing there and, you know, I assume the position. And, and then he just starts praying and then he says, very loudly, God says, get out of the backyard. Like that. And I went, oh. But you know what God was saying? He was saying, enough of sitting in the back. Enough of just standing in the background. Enough of just following behind Philip, who's great and was always encouraging me. Enough of that. I want you up the front. And so that's what I did. I said, all right. Yes, Lord. And so bit by bit, he took me. And until now, I'm not afraid. I actually don't get too nervous anymore. I get this anointing and I get excited and a bubbling, but I'm not a shaking, quaking bundle of nerves anymore. But I had to step into the newness of life. Now, I could have rejected that. I could have said, no, I'm not transformed. I'm not a new creation. I don't feel worthy. I'm shy. I'm not that person. But instead, I went, oh, God's got something new for me. I'm going to step into that. I'm going to say, yes, Lord, send me. And too often, we have this little self-talk that's not cool. I'm not worthy. And it's false humility, really. We're saying, oh, I'm just being humble. Somebody else can do it. Uh Uh-uh. Who are you to think you are not worthy and awesome and have great plans? Yeah? Because Jesus died for us and he gave us newness of life and we are a new creation in him. So stop picking up that stinky old corpse because it's not going to do you any good and you're going to get to heaven and you're going to go, I missed it. Bummer. Can I say that in church? I just did. (laughs) You're going to look. You're going to be in glory and partying on with the saints and the angels. And you're going to, you know, and you'll be up down there. And if Jesus hasn't come, you'll be down there and looking and going, oh, I could have been doing that. You know? So say yes. You are a new creation. And when God puts something in your heart and starts to spring it up, don't kill it off. Because we can. Because He says, be transformed. Have a new heart and keep and guard your heart with all diligence and vigilance for out of it spring the issues or springs of life. Watch what's in your heart. Yes, I need those. Hang on a minute. (laughs) Oh, there they are. Now, I'm wondering what's going on, aren't you? Watch what's in your heart because protect and value what's in your mind and your emotions and your will. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, Catch us the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Now, Song of Solomon is an awesome book, and I've had some revelation recently. I'm not going to preach that now because you'll just, yep, we won't preach that now. <laughs> but it's a love, it's a love, it's a love word, and it's a love between a man and a woman, and it's pretty cool. Now, God talks about sex in the Bible. I was sharing with our young people, and they were asking me all questions, and I said, well, it's in the Bible, and they couldn't believe it. So if you're curious, come and see me later. But I'm not going to get that on CD. (laughs) Watch our hearts, and Song of Solomon says, there's no giants. There may not be any giants in the land, but there is little foxes like unbelief, resistance, and hardness of heart. Hardness of heart is the great enemy of love. 
Hardness of car is what's going to stop you letting new things come into your life. Or it gets crusty and those new things don't have any water or the Holy Spirit to spring up. So you've got to watch your heart and guard it with all diligence because that's where the springs of living water are. And if you're all hard and crusty and musty, then you're not going to be able to have those things spring up. They're going to dry out like that seed and die. And that God, so many times where God wants to do miracles in our life and he wants to speak great things in our life and he wants to give us a hope and he wants to show us our future and our heart isn't prepared for it. And this weekend, I feel that, that if you want to receive the new things of God, you want to receive all that God is coming and coming, then we have to prepare our lives and our hearts so that when it springs forth and it comes up, that you don't kill it off. So watch your heart and guard it with all diligence and watch the little foxes because they buried under the fence and they got in and they would dig at the vines and spoil the grapes. Don't let your fruit be spoiled by the little foxes in your life. Guard your heart because Jesus, he says, I want to give you newness of life and he's given you a new heart. But you can wreck it by gathering all the stinky corpsey stuff back into it. He says, watch the little foxes. There may not be big giants that are really obvious, but the little foxes will get us. And they crowd out our heart and they crowd out love in our relationships and our marriages with our children, with our friends, because it's hardness of heart. So watch your heart. Watch the little things. I've got here, these are giant marshmallows. <laughs> One of my young people brought these in and we're making s'mores. Is that what they say? In my lounge room. That's awesome. But... <laughs> But he brought in there, I said, can I have one of those? I need this. Now, this is a marshmallow. That's what God wants us to be like in our heart. A lovely, squishy, yummy <laughs> marshmallow. Because then when he puts his word in it, it's like, it's easy to receive. It's not like the stony ground. It's not like the weeds that are growing up. It's like just... Lovely marshmallow, soft, squishy loveliness. And knows that God is good and just, oh, I can take that. So God wants us to have a lovely, big, fat marshmallow heart. Amen? That's what he wants us to have. And I was thinking, I was actually going to set it on fire because, you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes there can be hard things that come and we feel like we're going through the fire. But if we keep our heart right, what happens when you set a marshmallow on fire and you toast it? Is it better? Does it taste better? It's awesome, especially between chocolate. But, you know, even when the hard things of life come and we feel like we're going through the fire, if we keep our heart soft towards God, then we're just going to get better. Those things that may have been hard, he's going to turn them around for good. So keep our heart soft. Because even when they go through the fire, it's lovely and squishy and they're going to come out better. That's cool, isn't it? I had that revelation the other day, but I was going to set it on fire, but I'll probably set something on light on myself or something. <laughs> Colossians 3.12 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. That's how God wants us to be. Colossians 3.12, for those who are taking notes. We're chosen... 3.12, chosen of God. We're chosen of God. I want you to look at yourself in the mirror this week and say, I'm chosen of God and I put on all the good stuff. 
And if you see something, a little fox coming, you say, nah, that looks like a stinky corpse thing. Just get away from me. You're holy and beloved, and you've been given a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience because you've got Jesus' life in you. And that's who he is. A new spirit, Romans 8.11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I want you to write this one down. Romans 8.11. Romans 8.11. The spirit, the Holy Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He dwells in you. And he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's a kick butt scripture. That means that you have the power that raised Jesus from the dead will also give your body life. Did you get that? So if you're weary, if you're sick, that's, that's a scripture to stand on because it says the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and he gives life to my mortal body. That's this, flesh and blood. It's not a, oh, that's a spirit thing. No, it's your mortal body. That means your flesh and blood, your muscles, your joints, every part of you, he says that he will give life to it because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You have power. I keep on saying it, but you have power dwelling on the inside of you. Believe it. Tap into it. Hook up into it. Connect to it and stay like that. And when you feel like you're disconnected from that power, get back. Get rid of that stinky corpse stuff and hook back into Jesus. That means that you spend time in church every Sunday. Mm. You know what? The devil knows that if you're tired... If you give in to him, oh, the kids didn't sleep, oh, I went out to a party, oh, I just, you know, ate the wrong thing. There's 101 reasons why we should not turn up to church. Believe me. Yeah? If he can get you on that, he's going to take you out. You're going to miss the things that God wants for you because you keep on giving in to your flesh. Yeah? So he gives life to our mortal bodies. And I'm going to share with you, oh, I've got time. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse and we're under the blessing. Now some of you have heard me share about having babies. Listen up, those who are having or in the future might have babies because this is a good word, okay? And those that have had their babies, share it with your offspring. All right, because this is the power of God's word that gives life to our mortal bodies, is that you do not have to have pain in childbirth. We don't have to. Now, some of you have heard that before, but you actually don't have to, and it's not just for the super spiros. I was a 20-year-old when I heard this message. My mum just gave me this little tape, that's how long ago, a tape, and it had this very staticky message from this woman Jackie Mize on it, and she had learnt this from God's word. It was pretty much just Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. She says, I am free from the curse. The curse that was put on Eve, that she would have um, pain and childbirth, that is what we were freed from when Jesus died on the cross. Now, that just doesn't like, oh, yeah. You know, you've actually got to then take hold of that and put that into your life. Now, as women, this is like one of those things you go, oh, you cannot argue with that. 
You either take it into your life and appropriate it or you don't. And, you know, just take it where your faith is. If you're pregnant, is there any pregnant people in the house? Oh, you are. There you are. It's just take it where your faith is at. Just believe for what you can believe for. Don't feel beaten up. And if you've had babies and you haven't had a pain-free labor, don't feel beaten up. I'm just sharing what is possible and you can go, well, if he can life to my mortal body, then I can speak that into these areas of my life. I'm just sharing my testimony because I've had six kids and so I just, you know, God is good. And they weren't little babies. I had a nine pound eight. That's 4.3 kilos. I'm not that big. Yeah? But no pain. No painful contractions. Nothing like that. No stretchy, ouchy bits. No pain because Jesus bore the curse for me. It was broken at the cross of Calvary and I got it. I got it in here. And, and you know, I was pregnant with our fourth child. He was uh, Ben and I, was, um, I had gone into labour and I didn't bother Philip. I was just, you know, busy. I got it down by then. And uh, I started to have these cramps and I'm like, oh, what are they? And I thought, hang on a minute. And I said, I break that in the name of Jesus. I am free from the curse of the law and sin of death. And I break that pain in the name of Jesus. Bang! It went. No painful contractions after that. Yeah? But you have to get feisty and you have to stand on God's word. Now, I'm believing. I'm believing for a cruisy. Now, I know it's a few years off, but this is what you've got to do. You've got to put God's word in on certain subjects. And if God gives life to our mortal bodies... Then, now excuse me for those who have gone through menopause and had a rough time, but this is what I'm believing for now. This is the seed that I'm planting in my heart, that if God can break the curse of that and all that nonsense and hormone fluctuations and pain, then he can break the pain and discomfort and nastiness of menopause being a drama. Yeah? Because he speaks life to our mortal bodies and we are free from the curse. And you can't tell me that having a horrible time through menopause is something that God wants us to have. But I'm planting seeds of God's word now for that. You know, that's, I'm 42. So I'm planting those things now. So girls down the back who are young and not even married, don't even have a boyfriend, I encourage you to start putting God's word in. If you're just married, start putting God's word in now before you're even pregnant about what is possible in God. Transform your mind to be renewed by what God says because in the middle of it, it's hard, but if you've got it in there to spring up and spring up in your heart, then you've got something to draw from and the Holy Spirit reminds you of what Jesus says. Don't wait until you're in the thick and the midst of, of hardship and hard things. We've got to put it in. Now, that is not striving and struggling. That's just, I'm just going to pour this in and get rid of all that stuff. The world does it a crazy way. Yeah? I've been in childbirth rooms where the world, like, it's not fun. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah? We don't have to do it. I've, you know, I've been in hospitals where we're praying for people. I'm like, you know what? Like, you can't tell me that this is just the Lord teaching somebody something. <laughs> what a oh, religious nonsense, you know? You walk through and you're praying for people and you're seeing people in distress and it's like, oh, God's trying to teach them something. That's a lie from the enemy to re- let us receive it and not stand up against it. You've been given power and authority to break off every curse. Read Deuteronomy 28. Every wart, every growth, every stinking disease that the enemy would try and bring, we've been free from it. 
So get feisty and stand out, woman of God, and say, this is enough. And you've got to have it put in there first in yourself, knowing that God is good before you can give it to somebody else. Don't try and give what you don't have. Take the time to plant it in there and it'll spring up. And it'll spring up when you need it and you're like, oh, I'm glad I did that. You know what? When I'm giving birth to a 4.3 kilo little girl, I'm glad I put the work in. Yeah? It's good. And that goes for painful periods and awful heavy stuff and things. You know, I started to have periods because this is the first year in 22 years that I haven't been breastfeeding or pregnant. So... uh, (laughs) I breastfeed. So I'm in a little bit of a transition. It's a bit weird. But I breastfeed our kids. They weaned themselves, so they're three and a half. And, uh, you know, a three and a half year gap between babies. So do the calculation. I breastfeed for an awesome amount of time. But, you know, they're okay. So <laughs> they're not. Now, I, you know, some people say, oh, you breastfeed in there. They, they hit the... Are we right with this? They, you know that they're going to end up at your knees. They're not at my knees. I reject that. And I, and I reject that, you know, when you've had babies, do your pelvic floor exercises. And then you can jump still. Okay? Be sensible. Don't strive. Just be clever. There we go. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit, here we go. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Be heavenly minded. Be heavenly minded. Bring heaven to earth. Think about heaven for a minute. With all its goodness and favor and blessing. And God says, grab hold of it and bring it down. Bring heaven down. Bring heaven down. I was listening to this recording of... uh, a company of burning hearts, guys. Yeah, crazy bunch. You think I'm funny. They're awesome. And they, are, <clears throat> they have visitations with angels. And um, this lady, she was temping in this office and she, um, she just had a sense of God's presence. You know, she spent time. And she was, um, you know, God prepares things in advance for us to do. And so there was this man, she was just in the, doing her job, typing away, minding her own business, but she was aware it just been heavenly minded and walking in the spirit. And we can do that. Just tap into what God's doing. And don't be so, if you're seeking God's kingdom, then you're not so worldly minded that you can't catch up. God's doing miracles and moving about all the time. We're just so busy, we miss it most of the time. So here she is typing away, but she's been heavenly minded. And she sees this man all stooped up. And the Holy Spirit says, go pray for him. And you know what she saw in the spirit realm? because she's learnt this, is these angels zipping up and down the corridors because angels are ministering spirits sent to assist us. And so she reaches, she goes and she says, hey, I just want to pray for you. But those angels, they're getting rid of all the demons and they're up and down and so God's there. And so she lays hands on this man who has a chronic back condition that he's had for years and she prays for him, boom, he's healed like that. Yeah, now the funny thing is she was telling this funny story, you know, Supernatural stuff happens and it can kind of blow our little box about God out. And she's this is, had to get this document out and, and it's not happening, a printer's not working. She says, Lord, you need to help me. And the Lord says, it's okay. 
And so they get this paper done and, and going really fast trying to get it done. And um, it's like, oh, good. Thanks, Lord, for helping us. But then they send this document off to uh, be looked at by the managers. And they come back and they say, oh, thank you so much for getting done that. But what were the little angel symbols at the bottom of every page? <laughs> Pretty cool. Angels. They're helping out. And they just were being a bit cheeky. You know, angels are sent, and they, it says in the Bible that they are alert and active, watching over the word to perform it, that they hearken to the voice of the word. So when we speak God's word, the angels are listening up. Now, I'm telling you, the way some of the church behaves, they don't be sitting up in heaven just twiddling their thumbs. Because we don't speak God's word, we speak a whole lot of worldly nonsense. And so they're going, come on, come on down there. Speak my word, speak the Lord's word so that I can hearken to it and we can get busy. Now, has anybody watched the Bible series? Yeah? Now, did you watch, I think it was the first one when Sodom and Gomorrah and they went through now. I got this revelation of angels. I was like, oh, they're cool dudes. You know, they came in and they were, they were robed and they had these robes on and they go in to Sodom and they're talking to Lot and they, they, they're sent to Lot's house to bring him out before the city was destroyed because they were a wicked lot. And... Uh, and um, these angels are all clothed. But anyway, getting hammered on the door, let us out to them. And you know, those, those guys at the door, I was trying to explain this in a very polite way to my 14-year-old, they were actually wanting to have sex because they're all homosexuals outside the door and they were wanting to have sex and they're saying, let us in to get these guys. And Lot actually offered his daughters instead. But yeah, it's not cool. Well, it's Lot because he was hanging around with, with people and getting the corpsey stuff on him. Yeah, watch who you're hanging around with because it's stinky and it'll get on you. Watch. You don't have to be, you know, only mixing with Christians, but make sure that you're being the blessing and you're being the light rather than the other stuff, other way around, yeah? We're meant to be the light of the world, yeah. So they, they have these angels and, and um, they're awesome. I mean, we don't have to be afraid because we've got angels walking around helping us. And this guy, and they're running after Lot and his family and the people are coming to crowd and get them. And this angel, and he goes, Whoosh! with these big swords and he's kung fu -y, and he's a kung fu angel. Yeah, they have a <laughs> and he's doing this and I'm stuff and I'm like, you know what? We just need to get that picture of this angel. Whoosh! What are you worried about? You got that? I love that. <laughs> you know, and they're there to help us and assist us and, and, and to help us do the work that God has sent us. They're busy up and down corridors, up and down streets, and if we'll just be heavenly minded, we're going to have a blast. You know why? Because you have all power and authority given to you. And if you're listening up and tapping in and letting that word spring up in the inside of you, that new life in you, God's going to use it to bless somebody else and you're going to revive this city because we've got new life in us. And you can sit there with this lovely little pond of new life or you can give it out and let it become a stream. Yeah? It can stay a pond and you can have a little bless me club or it become a river by you letting it out. And then you get more. More God. Because when you give, he says he'll give back to you. Press down, shaking together and overflowing. So be heavenly minded. Be open and receptive to Holy Spirit. Wait on him and he will teach and remind you about the things and words of Jesus. He will empower you. 
We're often just too busy rushing about that we miss what he is doing all around us. As I said, there's miracles happening all around. Have a chat to my mother at uh, lunchtime, if you get her hand. She, she goes overseas and she gets very bold. I tell her she should just be bold at home too. But uh, she, she'll be driving along the road and, uh, and the Holy Spirit will say, oh, stop the car and go and pray for that person. This person's all hunched up and he said, that person needs you to pray. And she'll jump out of the car and go and pray and they'll get healed. She's just, it's like she just a little Holy Ghost, you know, woman and off she goes. But it's like she's, just, she's free from all the busyness of life, so she's focused. What we need is that we're focused like that at home. God knows all your lists. He knows them, all that in your head, but he says, seek me first. And all that other stuff, he'll multiply your time to get it done. Some of the best days I've had in my life is when I just seek him first and go, you know what, that can wait. The six loads of washing, that can wait. And it gets done. Gets done if we seek him first. Be heavenly minded. And don't miss out because if we don't spend time with him, we lack confidence and power to do the work he's prepared for us to do. So have newness of life in God. We've got to embrace the fact that we are new creations, that we have a new self, a new mind, that it be transformed by what God says rather than all the other rubbish, that we have a new heart and we have a new spirit. And watch what God will do because he'll spring up stuff and you're just going to look back. You know, you don't want to look back this time next year and go, oh, well, that was nice, but it didn't have anything to happen. We've got to actually appropriate the truths of God's word in our hearts. So take a hold of them and do a new thing. Do something different. Take a little step. If you're thinking, oh, this all sounds a bit out there, just take a little step and go, I'm going to do something new and see what God will do. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that for your word that teaches us, that instructs us, and is, Lord, you are in your word, and, and it's powerful. And I pray that that word would just settle in our hearts, Lord, that we have newness of life in you, that we are new creations, but that we do have to choose to take hold of that new life and embrace it and not let the old come in and crowd that new life out. Holy Spirit, let that word settle and sink into our hearts and minds and transform us. Let it spring up new things in us. Let us be Holy Ghost, awesome women, Lord, that are just heavenly minded, not so caught up in the things of the world. I pray your blessing, Lord, as we meet together and have lunch, that we just can connect and hang out with you, enjoy your presence because you're here, enjoy each other's company. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.